Hello, and welcome to At Home in Muskoka, a podcast by the Muskoka Community Land Trust. I'm your host, Sandy Martin. I'm joined today by Peter Kelly and Tom Fortier. Peter is the mayor of the Township of Muskoka Lakes, a District of Muskoka Councillor and Chair of the Muskoka Housing Task Force 2.0. This is Peter's second term on Township Council and first as mayor. He's passionate about Muskoka and protecting the natural environment that exists here while focusing on the development of attainable housing to address the long-standing chronic shortage in availability of accommodation for permanent residents. Tom is the Director of Human Services and supports the Housing and Homelessness Division within the Community and Planning Services Department for the District of Muskoka. He joined the district in April of 2023, bringing years of knowledge gained through various roles in housing and homelessness, including service manager functions, community housing operations, delivery of affordable housing programs, and integrated service planning and delivery. This broad experience in navigating community housing's complex issues provides Tom with a solid foundation to foster innovative solutions, partnerships, and programs that increase access to quality, affordable, and sustainable housing options for the district's most vulnerable households. You can donate to the Muskoka Community Land Trust by supporting the show on Patreon or on our website, muskokaclt.org, which is also where you'll find today's show notes. Well, Tom, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I've been really excited about this episode. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, for sure. Thank you for the opportunity, Sandy. I am positive that people know who both of you are. However, um, would you maybe just, Tom, maybe you could start. How did did Muskoka come to be your home? Um, Well, I'm relatively new here at the district. I am an employee of the district and I oversee the portfolio of housing and homelessness services. Unfortunately, I have not been able to attain a home in Muskoka just yet. Mm -hmm. I've been attempting for about six months to relocate my family here. And um, I'm facing the same challenges as everybody else is in trying to really obtain something that's safe and affordable to live in. Oh my gosh. Peter, how about you? Well, I came here in a rather circuitous route. I uh, was a cottager in Muskoka first, and uh, after a couple of careers in the city, decided to retire up here in 2015. Uh, my wife is a sixth generation native of Port Carling, so uh, uh, she's well plugged into the community, and we decided to try to put a plant, uh, put some roots down here and uh, make this our home, and uh, we absolutely love it. We've been here... Uh, uh, now, I guess, uh, eight years or what is that, seven years and um, absolutely love it. Oh, wow. Well, I'm I'm glad you're both here. And Tom, I hope that by here, pretty soon, what we'll mean is that you and your family can can find a place actually here. Yes. Goodness. For sure. My wife and I, we, we do want to retire here and make this our home and get that true sense of community mm-hmm. before the end of our career. And uh, it's just been a bit of a struggle over the last seven months trying to, to locate something here in the, in the district. Yeah, well, and that's a perfect segue to the next thing that we're talking about, the scope of the housing problem here in Muskoka. So maybe, and I'm sure that anybody listening already has at least some personal connection to this, but, but maybe from that, the higher level that you two are working on across the district, could you, could you outline what's happening right now in housing? Sure. Uh, Tom, do you? 
Where do you want to start? (laughs) If you want, Peter, you go ahead with kind of the broad strokes. And uh, if I got any stats on hand that I can back you up with, I'm happy to share those. Perfect. Thank you. One of the uh, one of the reasons that I actually got into politics, uh, it's not my uh, first career nor my second or even my third, Uh, but uh, I got into it because once I moved up here and lived here on a permanent basis, it became obvious to me that there was much more need, uh, much more food insecurity, much more unstable uh, housing opportunities than than I had been aware of. Uh, and uh, I think one of the real issues here that that uh, this that Muskoka has sort of suffered from is that the average person here, the the seasonal resident and the tourist is unaware of the fact that there is such a such an issue and such a problem and the problem manifests in several different ways um from an economic development perspective um you know they're we're having a difficult time growing the economy beyond anything traditional and seasonal given the fact that recruiting people to come and live here is a big challenge they can't find anywhere to live either rental or ownership uh, we find that the whole sort of growth of the community in terms of traditional sort of community activities, filling up arenas, filling up parks, filling up uh, skating rinks, uh, winter festivals and winter activities, uh, very difficult to do in a community that doesn't, that, that doesn't seem a way to keep attracting family members and, and people of all ages to be uh, eager participants in any of those activities. So I think community development suffers as well. And so from my perspective, it's much, much bigger. I mean, the real tragedy to me is the fact that we have homelessness, is the fact that we have a real challenge for somebody even like uh, like Tom moving up here to try to find a, a place to live, an affordable place to put down roots and become a member of our community. You take that and multiply it times hundreds or thousands of people. Uh, hundreds or thousands of households, and it's a huge problem. And uh, that, I think, is, is is a great place to start the conversation. Yeah, yeah, it, it for sure is. And you know, even within the the ownership markets, you know, the the most recent stats we have province wide shows that the district of Muskoka, the average resale home in 2022 was Mm. $920,000. And so they also um, release stats around our income in Muskoka. And if you are in the 90th percentile of income, what's affordable based on that income at generally 30% is a maximum house purchase of 722,000. So you really have to be in the top 5% mm-hmm. of income earners in Muskoka to buy at the current rates in Muskoka. And then when you compound that with the interest rate climate right now, people of more modest means are really struggling and that's putting downward pressure on any availability we have in the rental market. And then conversely, even increasing the amount of homelessness we, we see here in Muskoka at last count, um, the end of September, we had assisted over 370 households district wide with homelessness services in our hotel system as we don't have an emergency shelter. And that translated to 14,400 room nights already in nine months of 2023. Mm. 
it's shocking statistics. It really is. And then when we think about the effect, I mean, and we've already talked about a huge cross section of different kinds of people that are affected by this. Um, a little bit, actually, and I'm, I work in this area, right? And I'm still just a little bit uh, at a loss for words about the impact on on the human beings that live here in Muskoka and who, who don't either don't have a place at all or can't find a place to be in community with their family and, and people close to them. And this is, it's heartbreaking. I, I, from my perspective too, the tragedy is, is uh, made real or must be particularly challenging when they realize that we have an abundance of just about every resource you need to provide ample housing at an affordable rate. We have land, we have all the raw materials that are necessary to construct. We have a wonderful labor force, a proud labor force that's known for craftsmanship and known for ingenuity and has persevered for generations in spite of seasonality and climate. Um, and we can't translate vacant land and rocks and trees uh, into a, uh, humane and gentle and, and affordable way for people to become part of the community and, and thrive here. And Peter, is that that disconnect between the richness of what we have here in, in people and in labor and materials and all those in land, all those things and and translating that, as you said, into into homes, is that where the first task force kind of got its genesis? I, I think probably the first, yes, I, I'll say yes, although I must be honest, I wasn't part of the first task force, nor was I on district council, but from spending time with the former chair, uh, now Mayor Alcock of Huntsville, um, and talking to some of the other members, some of whom have carried on to our task force, version 2.0, so we have the benefit of some bank knowledge there and some, some experience there. Uh, I, I think there was genuinely a concern that uh, uh, basically economic development was going to be limited by virtue of the fact that we couldn't attract enough people to come in here and populate jobs on a year-round basis. Um, I think that's a very worthy cause. It's not nearly as dire or as, as striking or stark, I think, as we have post-COVID. But uh, I, I think that's what the original genesis was, to develop uh, the the, the opportunity for people to settle here and become part of the economic engine that uh, can support them and in, in turn can support everybody who comes here uh, and lives here either seasonally or as tourists. Um, so there was that, that piece. Post-COVID, just like every other uh, municipality, I would say across Canada, across North America, um, the challenge has really magnified itself by a factor of three or four times. Uh, opportunities that would have been relatively inexpensive to rent or to, to purchase in some of the smaller towns and villages throughout the entire district. I mean, step outside of the towns of Bracebridge, Huntsville and, and uh, Gravenhurst. And you still had little hamlets, little Glen Orchards and Ballas and Port Carlings and Mactiers. Um, there was there was a stable, a, affordable, attainable um, uh, pocket back then, which now, frankly, has has seen price escalation by two or three times, 
because it's viewed as a alternative permanent residence for somebody who's employed elsewhere, somebody who lives and work, lives here, works in Toronto, uh, lives here and works anywhere in the world, but but uh, you know telecommutes electronically. Uh, that has really made it a challenge, and I, I will say a virtually an impossibility for somebody to come here without that kind of uh, means and wealth to come here or to grow here and stay here in, in terms of, you know, the next generation of Muskokans um, with any hope of a reasonable shot at having their own home or having reasonable rent and, and staying here and contributing to the community. Um, so I, I think 1.0, or if we call it version 1.0, mm -hmm. had a worthy cause or very worthy uh, uh, goals. I think they did a tremendous job of laying the groundwork for the work that we're doing, bringing people together, heightening the awareness of the problem, um, trying to find a way to knock down the barriers because there are many uh, to to allow for you know the development of, of affordable and and and, and uh, attainable rental properties as well. Um, but all hell broke loose with COVID, and I think when that happened. The problem is much more uh, dangerous. It's much more dangerous to realize that we're on the cusp of a long winter, and there are many people in this district who do not have shelter. And uh, I—that's the shame. That's the—that's the, that's the uh, people that I have in the back of my mind when I sit down to take on responsibilities. The chair of this group. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the evolution, but. What about now, let's talk very specifically about 2.0 then. So when you see 2.0 playing out, I mean, you had your first meeting in September on the 28th. Um, yep. what, what's the mandate? What does success look like for this, for this new version? Well, we have, uh, we've set our own goals and uh, identified some, some uh, actions that we think are necessary to uh, to succeed at this. And the goals really are a matter of fostering communication, fostering uh, a collaboration between different government agencies, uh, making sure that within each of the area municipalities, lower tier and the district upper tier, uh, any kind of unnecessary barriers to speedy development uh, are addressed and dealt with, you know, appropriately. We can't just, I'm not in favor of just dropping uh, uh, all regulation and let everybody run wild. We have to maintain an environment that respects other parts of the, you know, of our, of our community as well. The, uh, the traditions and the culture are important. The environment is obviously supremely important in much of the district of Muskoka. But uh, at the end of the day, to the extent we have timelines that run on forever, we have reviews and consideration that runs on forever. We're going to try and tighten that up if we're doing duplication of effort between the lower tier and the district. Uh, we got to ask why, uh, why one layer of approval wouldn't be uh, enough and, and would also save some time. Um, so there's that. I think we've done a really good job of attracting uh, participation from uh, other than government sectors. We've got a great group of staff. We've got a great group of elected officials. Uh, we're supported by great people like Tom and others from the district. Um, but we've attracted people from the development side, people from the community land trust. I think we have, if I'm not mistaken, three of the land trust directors actually sit on the housing task force 2.0. Uh, 
Um, so, you know, we've got great experience and great uh, goals and ambitions. I think we understand the problem. I can tell you the passion among that group is palpable, not just the housing, uh, the uh, community land trust group, I mean, across the whole housing task force. Yep. We originally set the uh, rather unambitious goal of meeting four times a year, and halfway through the first meeting, it became apparent that wasn't going to be enough. And I think we're now down to, or we're now kicked it up to every other month. And my guess is there's enough energy and there's enough passion. And we recognize that the problem is, is, is so critical that uh, we'll probably meet more often than that. But bringing together developers, bringing together with lived experience, with homelessness or near homelessness, bringing together, um, you know, uh, this group of people who collectively, uh, you know, with some leadership can pool different perspectives and different uh, points of view. And, and hopefully the success will be um, we are a community of choice again with housing opportunities through all levels, rental or ownership, uh, and uh, get back to uh, basically the community, the growing, the growing of a community because we've got the infrastructure of, of uh, housing stock in place or under development that will uh, that will support the growth of the community. I really appreciate that the mandate is uh, it involves inviting and like w making space for all those different perspectives. Because Tom, when you were talking about, you were just providing some of those statistics about the scope of the problem mm -hmm. earlier in the conversation. The idea that everyone who is affected by the problem has an opportunity to talk about the solution is is really heartening, actually, from a community perspective. I think. Well, I think I think that that broad membership is because they're all part of the solution. Nobody can do this alone. Um, you know, we can have all the advocacy going on, um, and unless everybody's willing to come to the table and get things done in their own way and with what they're able to do, we're not going to make the real progress that we need. We need, you know, definite increase in available inventory of all forms of housing, both high-end market, moderate market, affordable, deeply affordable, emergency. You know, we need more units built. And I think the task force is is incredibly excited and energized to do just that. I know some of the takeaways that staff have been working on after the last meeting is looking at some of our current programming opportunities to, you know, bring them forward to the task force and seek some solid recommendations for change on how we can do it better, faster. Oh, so do you, okay, so not everybody, of course, can be on the task force. Do you have, you know, for people listening who are community members who understand or experience the problem, who want to make a difference, do you have suggestions for what, you know, regular Joe Muskoka should be doing right now to support or further housing justice? Well, we, we do have our Engage page. Um, engage.ca it's heavily highlighted within that section all the activities of the task force it's promoting other projects that are going on right now and absolutely reach out to your local representative um, whether that be at the, the town township level or a district councillor and highlight your concerns so that they can bring that forward as well 
I love that. And I'm just going to I'm going to echo that because um, a couple of things. Uh, the concept of this engaged Muskoka page is kind of new to me, but I absolutely love it. Uh, it's a light, easy read. It's full of great content. It links to all of the underlying documentation, including our terms of reference and so forth. Um, there is the opportunity to subscribe for email updates and just keep yourself up to speed and, and uh, understanding what's going on. I'm going to further echo Tom's suggestion that you contact your local representative. Uh, I, I, I'm the mayor of Muskoka Lakes. Um, my cell phone number is published anywhere and everywhere. Uh, call me and let me know. Although I'm going to tell you one small change from Tom. I always love to hear people tell me about their problems, but if they can be part of the solution, tell me that too. I, I want to hear, you know, one of the biggest challenges uh, for a problem like this is admitting we have a problem. Yeah. We have a huge problem. But the second most difficult thing to admit, for somebody like me at least, I can't fix this on my own. None of us can fix it on our own. So collaboratively and collectively, there is an answer, there's a solution, things will get better and they'll get better as quickly as we can make them or engineer them to get better. Um, but where I'm always open to talk to anybody about it. Uh, somebody stopped me the other day and, and said to me, what, uh, what do you know about housing? How, you know, how are you gonna fix this problem? I said, look, I'm coming at it from a pretty simplistic perspective. We're gonna dig holes, we're gonna plant houses and people are gonna live in them. And uh, beyond that, it's just red tape. Beyond that, it's complication. Uh, and I don't want to oversimplify things, but I don't want to overcomplicate them either. Uh, fact is, um, the energy in the, on this group, I'm convinced more than ever, this is not just window dressing. Uh, there's a real will to succeed, and success is measured by improving the situation for uh, with, with more housing stock, as Tom said, across the entire range from emergency shelter type housing all the way to, uh, you know, middle class up upgrade housing, if you will, or trade up housing. Uh, we need, we need to be, you know, housing is a, is a system. It's not just a, a group of wood and nails mm -hmm. and bricks. It's, it's a neighborhood that grows. It's a community that grows It attracts it's economic development that feeds the demand that, that also feeds the development. Um, we need to, we need to really reboot that and re-energize that. And, uh, find ways to satisfy what is a huge and, and uh, growing problem right now. And I think that this group is going to be a big, play a big part in doing that. Yeah, for sure. And access to shelter is a basic human need. Yeah. It really, truly boils down to that. Without it, um, the, the rest of your human needs can no longer be met. And then that causes, you know, implications for other service systems, whether that's emergency services or healthcare. But I, if I could, Sandy, I'd like to go back to um, your your ask about what can community do? Mm -hmm. Something that is so simple, yet so impactful, is change that conversation from not in my backyard to yes, in my backyard. Um, getting past NIMBY and into YIMBY, um, if, if we can change that conversation, we've removed so much of the hurdles because if it's not in my backyard then where and we need it in my backyard we need it in our backyards yeah uh, 100% agree okay so we've talked about the problem we've talked about 
the task force and some of the ways that even people not on the task force can kind of move move towards solutions. Let's talk about something that is giving both of you hope right now. Actually, it doesn't have to be something that's giving both of you hope. It can be giving each of you hope. They can be different things. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, how about you? Um, well, a couple of things are giving me hope. Hearing conversations through the budget presentations at committees so far has given me great hope that this is actually a focus of our elected officials, that they want to see, they really want to see action made um, on building more housing, which is phenomenal, fantastic. I'm also happy to see a softening in the resale market that maybe it becomes a little bit more attainable. Um, as interest rate climates settle, as inventory may look to grow, some of the you know federal policy changes may provide um, greater opportunity for some households to move into attainable home ownership and free up existing rental stocks so that we can help those that aren't able to attain home ownership or choose rental as their the the way that they prefer. So I think I do have hope. I really have hope. And the more traction we can make towards attainable, affordable housing in Muskoka is going to go a long way to us retaining our workforce, um, having that sense of community, opportunities for our children. So I, you know, I'm still hopeful. It does seem like an insurmountable challenge right now, but I'm, I'm up for the task. Oh, Tom. Thank you. Peter, what about you? Well, I tell you, Tom uh, gives me great hope. Uh, he is up to the task and uh, it's a pleasure to work with him on something like this. Biggest hope, and I'm gonna echo a little bit of what Tom said, maybe from a slightly different perspective, from an elected official's perspective. Um, affordable and attainable housing can be a, a real political hot potato. And NIMBY, uh, NIMBYism is, is fairly easy dismissed with the toss of the hand, except uh, I think traditionally it's been an area where uh, elected officials are concerned if they, if they wave off too many people, uh, they limit their likelihood for re-election. What I've sensed through the budget process, what I've sensed through uh, everything from discussions around the Township of Muskoka Lakes Council table, the District Council table, um, we've elevated this problem much, much higher than just a political issue. This is a basic issue of human rights. It's a basic, basic issue of, of economic growth and survival. It's a basic issue of community development. And that is for many of us, I think I would say for all of us, but I guess I don't know that. But for most of us, I think who chose to get into municipal politics, community development is what it's all about. Uh, that's why we are here. And uh, it's very gratifying for me to, know, to see that a large part of the resistance that I expected has already been overcome. Uh, people can no longer ignore the plight of those who are shelter challenged, if you will. Um, and it's, it's no longer a measurement of, am I going to alienate enough voters that this is my last round or not. It's a matter of, I'm here to do something. And if I don't do this, what the hell am I here for? So I think it's very gratifying uh, at the political level to realize that uh, I don't think that the politics are the obstacle anymore. I don't think the resources are the obstacle. We know how to solve this problem. 
we just have to prove we have the will to go after it and, and make it make it happen. And I'm sensing the will is a lot stronger than I anticipated uh, when I first accepted this, you know, the appointment as chair a few six months ago. Um, and that gives me great, great optimism. We're going to fix this. We're going to solve this. We're going to do everything we can uh, to, to, to clear the path, to bring people together who can solve this, to listen and put good ideas into practice, uh, find, you know, uh, find methodologies that work and duplicate them quickly um, and, uh, and get this truly unfortunate circumstance behind us uh, and get back to the rest of community development. Oh, gentlemen. You've injected quite a bit of hope into my morning just by telling me what you're hopeful about. So this has been this has been a really, really helpful conversation just for me personally, and I hope it will be for the people listening. Thank you very much for joining me and being so open with your thoughts and comments. Oh, thank, yeah, thank you, you for hosting. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us at Home in Muskoka a podcast by the Muskoka Community Land Trust, a nonprofit dedicated to place-based, sustainable solutions to local needs, including housing, food security, social enterprise, and community spaces. Visit muskokaclt.org to learn more, donate, and get involved.